Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show with your chance to be heard. Give your opinion, bash on the liberals, even make fun of the wacky left. It's on. It's now. It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 949, KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. New intro. I kind of like it. It's a little bit cheeky, but. That's okay. Welcome to the program. I'm Andy. It's nine minutes after nine o'clock. Thanks for tuning in today. We have what I think is going to be an excellent and maybe even lively show today. We're talking Washington Washington County Schools. With me in studio, Terry Hutchinson, school board member. Hi, Terry. You're bored already? I'm sleeping already, Andy. Hey, thanks for having me. (laughs) Great to have you on. You bet. It's good Uh, to be back. Steve Dunham, School uh, District uh, Communications Specialist, is on the phone with us, too. Steve, how are you? I'm fantastic, Andy, and I love your new intro. That is fun and lively. (laughs) I might might get a few complaints, but uh, I don't care. It woke me up. (laughs) Well, good. Good to have you here. You guys were pretty awake yesterday, huh? It was a little bit uh, lively, yes. Of course, we had a school board meeting. Explain again the format, uh, 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 Terry, of the school board meetings. You have like you have like a work meeting first, or is that a different day, or how does that work? Well, we actually have usually more than one work meeting a month, but we have uh, on the day of the public meeting, we have a work meeting that starts at noon, oh. and uh, usually we'll have one of the local cities in and get together and hear what's going on in their city, particularly in terms of growth. So we can talk about the future. So yesterday we had St. George City. Um, Mayor Randall came in and uh, all of the city council was there and uh, several of the other city officials and then the city manager. And they talked about some things that they would like to see from us. And, uh, you know, we coordinate with them pretty well about growth in particular. Um, so and, and, you know, we coordinate with them about a lot of different things. Uh, the the our resource officers, uh, crosswalks, you know, traffic, all, all just a whole myriad of events, and so uh, it, it's good. We usually have men about once a year, and it's it's a kind of a working lunch situation. And it usually takes about an hour. How does something? I, I mean, obviously you have to work together with your city. Say there's a trouble intersection that needs a crossing guard and a crosswalk and stuff. Do you go to the city and say, "Hey, we need this"? Yes. Or do they go to yes. you? How does that work? We we usually will go to them, and and we can see that going as we see the planning and as we see the roads develop and things like that. Uh, particularly out in the Washington fields, you know, we've got some areas that uh, you know we may need to put some lights. Yeah. Uh, we need to may need to put a guard. I mean, it just depends. And one of the things about our schools that we really want to make sure of is that we, we try and avoid that when we place the schools. So we look at the master plans. Uh, we don't want to have students walking across something like Telegraph in Washington mm-hmm. or uh, Bluff Street in St. George um, unless, you know, we, we really have to do something like that. And as uh, land gets a little more scarce, particularly out there, and as it gets more expensive, um, you know, we're going to be looking at other options to economize because obviously um, we we don't want to put the burden on the taxpayers any more than we need to. There was a, a while back uh, where I we actually had moved across Telegraph, uh, and, and so my kids, uh, I had a couple left at Washington Elementary, actually had to walk down and cross Telegraph. And it was, mm-hmm. I was, you know, I, I was like every parent. I was like, I don't want my kids crossing yeah. that road. So Yeah, so you, you don't want to do that unless you, you absolutely have to. Yeah. I mean, and 
you know, it didn't used to be that way, and so that's why the boundaries, and, and occasionally the boundaries are a little slower to catch up than we might like with that. But that's one of the factors that we look at when we have boundary discussions. And when we change boundaries, and we're doing that nearly every year with elementary schools, just a little tweaking here and there, nothing major. Um, but occasionally we'll do a major one, and that is usually based upon growth. So you had your work meeting lasted. How long did that last? Well, the work meeting, so the first hour we spent with St. George City, mm-hmm. maybe a little longer than that. And then uh, often we'll go into a closed session. And those closed sessions is where we talk about property issues, legal issues, personnel issues, anything that uh, the, the law says where we're going to bring people's names up or, or we can talk about things. The, the law does provide that we do have closed sessions. Now, those closed sessions, there's minutes and records and things like that that are kept. Uh, and if necessary, you know, they can be accessed. But generally, they're closed to the public for a reason. And, and oftentimes it's because we'll, we might talk about a disciplinary issue or we'll talk about, you know, some particular legal threat or legal case that we're involved in that, that occasionally happens. Just things like that. And those meetings can be short, uh, but usually they're an hour or so. And sometimes, I mean, because of COVID, we've, we've had some that have gone longer when we've discussed legal issues and things like that. So those can go anywhere from one to three hours. Mm, three would be a reach. Yeah. But uh, then after that, we come out and we do a work meeting, and, and it's all on the public agenda. So we have about six or seven items. I, I was going to bring mine in today, and I, I forgot. I left it in the car. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, we, we talk about our COVID response. Uh, we get a report from... Mr. Bergeson and the administration about how, how things are going with that. And, and, uh, we, we talk about lots of other things. And then each of us as board members has an assignment. So for example, for the first two years I was on the board, I was with the five County association of governments. And I really enjoyed that assignment. And, um, now I am on the board of trustees of Dixie tech. And so I'll give a report on what's happening with Dixie Tech. We had our graduation last week, largest graduating class for Dixie Tech. Awesome. Uh, we are involved slightly with the name change with that institution just down the road that's involved in a name change. Yep. Uh, so anyway, the, the, just more of that. And then, uh, you know, each of the board members re, uh, will report on their on their role in, in terms of what that assignment is. Um <laughs> Excuse me. One of the board members is on the foundation, the Dixie Foundation, serves with Steve. And, uh, I, I mean, the, the foundation has really increased in the last few years, their donations. They've gone up from, I recall when I first came on the board, it was about sixty or 70000 a year, and now it's about three hundred and fifty. So there, you know, lots of different things there. And then um, we will get some other reports maybe or something. And then we go into the public session and the public session starts at four 30 okay. used to start at four o'clock. We moved it back to four 30 primarily because the work sessions were just taking longer. And, uh, then we'll usually have another work meeting later in the month. Uh, this, this month we're going to have a short meeting next week, um, because we need to approve a budget that we just got the budgets yesterday for something. And, uh, we didn't have time to review them before we approved them, but we need to approve them fairly quickly so we can get some staffing issues out and things like that. So, I mean, it, it was interesting. And some of the parents, you know, we had a lot of parents yesterday because of the public interest. Some of the parents came at noon for a change. I mean, oh. usually these are public meetings. Anybody can come and go. 
uh, when we're in closed session, people can't access them. But I, I think it was eye-opening for a lot of the parents to see how many issues that we really covered. One of the things we talked about was our proposed budget. $420 million is coming up this year. 300 of which, almost 300 of which, is uh, the maintenance and operation. The rest of it is the debt service on our building bonds and things like that. And our building bonds, Andy, right now are real economical. We, uh, we pay 0.09% interest on our bonds because interest rates are so low. Wow. So now is the time. The problem with building right now, though, is even though the money is cheap, the, the materials <laughs> are not. Yeah. And getting them delayed. We've, we've had a couple of school delays. We've uh, had to delay our CTE high school just to be comfortable to 2023 instead of 2022 uh, because we're just having trouble getting deliveries of things. We've had st- uh, structural steel delayed several months on wow. a couple of our projects. Yeah, that's crazy. So, you know, just a, a whole wide variety. And then we go into the public meeting and uh, we, you know, we do what's typically done in a public meeting. We approve the minutes of the previous meetings. We have a monthly audit report that uh, we can ask questions about. And uh, then we go into certain action items where things that have been discussed at previous work meetings are put on the agenda for us to formally take action on. And then we will have further discussion in public about certain things, usually policy changes. Uh, We'll get a couple of reports from schools about, you know, things that are going well with those schools. Last night we had uh, Dixie Middle and uh, we had... Horizon Elementary, and then um, we have public comment on any action items that we're taking, and then we get further reports, and at the end of the meeting, we have public comment about whatever the people would like to talk about. Now, uh, let me bring Steve in. Steve, uh, you were at that uh, public comment meeting last night. What was the tenor of the meeting? Were, Were people generally disgruntled or happy or mad, or where were we? Uh, I, I I wouldn't say they were mad, but they were definitely vocal. I mean, uh, the board had just uh, released the statement on Friday, and that that seemed to uh, acquiesce many of their requests. And so, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say they were mad though. They had other issues that they were concerned about that uh, we we tried to be clear. You know what was what we did in the school district. Um, they brought up issues relating to. Um, critical race theory to what were what were two of the others, Terry? I'm well, sure. the 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 big issue was the masks, um, and they were some of them were still upset. Um, they weren't angry, but they were, as Steve says, they were pretty vocal and and very firm about uh, how they felt about that issue. And uh, well, now you, you say that uh, how they feel because their kids shouldn't have to wear them. Well, yeah, they, they feel there that, people there. Going, well, they feel the governor has overreached his powers. Okay, okay, they feel that constitutionally certain things are happening that shouldn't be happening, and that it's our responsibility as a board to to do with that something other than what we've been doing. Now we've said for a year. Yeah, yeah. Barry, can I interrupt real quick? You bet. Because it isn't so much the governor anymore. It's now part of House Bill 294, which was passed into law by the legislature. So it's really... Well, I'm going to comment on that one in a second, Steve. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) The governor, the legislature, whoever, the powers that be really have interrupted our local authority to do things. And I've been pretty vocal about this part of it all year. Um, And so they've superseded our power to do that. And they've said, hey, we're going to keep requiring you to have masks in the schools. Legislature finally met at the end of their session 
and they lifted the mandate on the adults statewide as of April 10th. And, but as part of that, they kept the mandate on the schools. And uh, I, I, I've been pretty vocal about that, too, in some U, Utah State School Board Association meetings and other things. I, um, anyway, regardless of that, the action that the board took last week, we sent out a letter that basically said, okay, in light of all the changes that have been made and the low numbers, we didn't lift the mandate. And that was one of the things that I felt obligated to correct during the meeting, during the public comment session, which we don't normally do, but everybody seemed to think that the mandate was lifted, and we did not lift the mask mandate. What we did was said, hey, we're not going to send kids home, essentially, if they don't wear a mask. So it's a matter of enforcement. I mean, you're you're mincing words. Isn't that the same thing as lifting the mandate? We're not going to enforce it? No. Well, you know what? If the governor has a mandate or the legislature has a mandate, they can enforce it if they want, but... Mm-hmm. Our, our determination is going to be how aggressively we do. I'd, I'd make it, Andy, I'd make the analogy of a speed limit, okay? Mm-hmm. If, if you're driving along the freeway at, in, in an 80-mile-an-hour zone at 83, 85, even 87, Probably. they're usually not going to do anything. Yeah, that's okay? true. But if you're going along at 95, you're going to get tapped, all right? So essentially, the, the mandate is still in place, but... You know, we're exercising a little bit more judgment about how aggressively we enforce it. And in part, it's because, hey, numbers are down. Uh, right now, we have, I think, four students in, uh, who have isolated because they're positive out of 34,000. Four. And, uh, you know, it just, the, the numbers are so low, and we're almost to the end, and, you know, What's the governor going to do? Close us? Uh, you know, which was a risk earlier on. I mean, earlier on, it was very made apparent to us that um, if we did not honor that mandate um, and enforce it the way they wanted us to, we had a real substantial risk of losing our ability to teach our students in person. I, and I, and I that was he... our unanimous goal as a school board. I don't know if the governor said that directly, but I think the inference was there that, yeah. No, there's more than an inference. (laughs) I mean, you know, there's not a lot of public statements about it, but privately, you know, we we certainly felt that we needed to to do that because our goal all along has been to stay in school five days a week. We are the biggest district in Utah that did. Uh, The bigger districts than we are up in north still are not doing that. Um, so, you know, and, and, uh, so we, we had a lot of comments about that last night. They wanted to comment about critical race theory. Another one was, uh, the 1619 project, but vaccines and the test to play. So, so the test to play is where students have to be tested on a fairly regular basis, uh, if they want to do athletics and other curricular activities. And then if they're positive, they can't participate. To, to the point where they would test uh, between, uh, like, before a state championship. And if yeah. your best player had, you know, tested positive the day before a state championship or the day of, he yeah. doesn't get to play, period. He doesn't get to play, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, they, they were concerned about that. They're, they're concerned to make sure that that's not going to happen next year. Uh, and they want us to start jumping on things because they, 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 they have uh, 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 some beliefs that, you know, the state school board or the governor or the federal government and Joe Biden are going to put forward some federal mandates that we're going to have to have critical race theory taught in our schools, and they're concerned about that. 
um, and just different things like that. And while I, I don't see those concerns in the same way they do, not that I'm not concerned about it, but I don't, I mean, the federal government doesn't have power to mandate federally in education. They can offer bribes, which is what they've done. They've said, hey, if you teach critical race theory, we got a bunch of grants that we're happy to give you because the federal government can print all the money they want. Right. And, uh, you know, so there's a lot of districts that may take advantage of that. And I think it's it's something for our board to discuss going forward. Uh, you know, do we want to set policies about whether or not any of our schools would do that, uh, things like that. But those are all future issues for the board to discuss. But it, for me, it boils down to the to the local control. And um, I, I, I would like to see us talking further as a board about how to uh, politically thread that needle with the governor and the legislature so that this kind of thing doesn't really happen again. Because, frankly, had we had our local control, I don't even know if we'd have closed the schools last year. I don't think our public health officials here would have seen quite the need to close the schools the way that Governor Herbert did last year. And certainly we might have treated a lot of things differently. But yeah, yeah. I, that's all speculation, so we don't know. Uh, I, I, yeah, when you talk about what we did with the enforcement of the mandate and how that's, you know, kind of mincing words, that's what I do, Andy. <laughs> all right, Steve, at that meeting, did you... Uh, did some concerns come up? Some things you hadn't thought about before. Was there some something new? Uh, were, were you know were, were 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 people concerned about some things that you, that surprised you? You there, Steve? I think we lost Steve. All right, uh, we'll, just, nice. we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll say maybe he's boycotting us uh, because we didn't let him talk earlier. My, my bad if, if that's the case, Steve. Uh, okay, so, uh, Terry, you told me before we went on the air that there were some people that were maybe mad's not the right word. There well, there were, there were people, yeah. like I said, they have really strong feelings. I don't, I don't know that, that they were mad, but they had really strong feelings uh, about the constitutional aspects of this. And, uh, you know, at, at some point, I've, I, and I'm sympathetic as a private citizen, you know, I feel we can do certain things. Uh, but as publicly elected officials, I have an obligation to follow, you know, statutes. You want to challenge them, well, you do it in a certain way. You don't just say, hey, we're not going to do this anymore. I mean, and granted, we're on, the, we're on the border right here in terms of, well, how strictly are you going to enforce it? But there, there's always been a principle in America of what you call prosecutorial discretion. Mm. And, uh, well, the left's using it right now all the time. We're going to yeah. let all these people on the streets. We're going to open the borders. We're going to do all kinds of things. Uh, and and I, I think that the law needs to be followed, and, and obviously the people following it. And I'm a former prosecutor myself, so at some point you exercise some discretion. But on the other hand, you don't just have a you know, a blanket thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we, I, 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 I will tell you, we've received no pushback from the governor's office, the leg, state legislature, or uh, our teachers association, or the uh, public health officials about what we've done. So I think everybody's just tired and, and they don't, uh, frankly, I, I think politically to do something to us, considering our track record of success, 
uh, would be really a bad idea politically. That that list you just gave, uh, no pushback. Uh, I was actually surprised to hear the UEA did not has not. Well, the UEA, oh, we have a different association. We have a oh, we have an association that's subordinate to the UEA, but it's not really the UEA. But we have had some teachers who've who've got some concerns, and we're trying to work with them. Uh, you know, once again, even at the start. We've told our teachers, if you've got a legitimate reason to to be concerned about your higher risk for COVID or anything else, we'll work with you. We'll make accommodations. But simply being afraid, if you don't have a valid medical reason to be afraid, uh, that's not so so easy to deal with. But they're working with their principals. I've I've had a call from a couple of teachers, and I've said, just work with your principal on these. And, you know, some of those are legitimate. So it's... You, you you just get you know wh- when you have such a big entity as we do where you have forty five hundred employees, uh, y- you're going to get some situations where you need to work with people. Sure, and we've tried to work with people and continue to do so. I think we got Steve back. You with us, Steve? I'm with you. Our our uh, phones here at the district office went down. Apparently, uh, too many people are calling to complain about Terry's uh, example of us breaking the law at the speed limit. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe that's it. Did anything, uh, Steve, surprise you about the meeting last night? Was it the number of people or, or maybe some topic you hadn't considered uh, before uh, the meeting? Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that it surprised me, no. I, I think the, the thing that's disheartening is at times it feels like people uh, in general are becoming less civil and less willing to listen. Um, there, there was a time when one gentleman was, was speaking in favor of the masks, and the uh, board president did have to stop him and ask the audience, hey, he, he remind them that, hey, he listened to you, please be respectful <laughs> and listen to him. So there was some booing and catcalling? There, there was some noise, I would say. I, <laughs> okay. I don't know if it was actually a boo. There could have been boos in there, but. Yeah, I, I uh, yeah. It wasn't uh, like Mitt Romney being introduced at the, at the state Republican. Well, country. yeah, that's, you know, but. <laughs> but but in general, I, I think politics has taught people that they they, they have become less civil in, in general. They they become more uh, aggressive in, in their tone, um, and I and I've seen that change for years. Uh, I, I've been in uh, education for uh, thirteen years now, and I and I've watched that change happen at, at different various public meetings we've held in other districts. And uh, it, it gets to the point where it's scary. We, we, I left one in a previous district, a, a meet, public meeting like this, where we asked the police to please escort us to our cars. Wow. Because uh, it, it gets scary at times. But last night wasn't like that. You know, we, we had the big truck out front, Andy, that, you know, that, that I guess some parent group has rented where they say, let our kids see oh, their right, smiles right, and all right. that. I mean, you know, and we had a work meeting a couple of weeks ago where they were going out in front of the district building with the big don't tread on me flags and things like that. No, that's, so that's just fine. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But I I do agree with Steve that the, that the discourse has gotten more aggressive, Uh, more aggressive and, and, and less civil. Yeah. And, and I think frankly, to a certain degree that the, the public officials have to take a little bit of responsibility for that. And they don't always acknowledge that they do. And, and let me explain to you what I mean. If, if you're a voter and you have real strong feelings about an issue, that's fine. But if you feel that none of your officials are, are even listening to you and they're not 
I mean, it's not a matter of you getting what you want as a matter of even though you know they agree with you, they're not doing anything about it that they could do. Maybe anything, trying anything. They don't appear to be trying anything. That's going to make you angrier as a voter, and that's yeah, why true. I shouldn't say voter, but but the but the people. That's why they get angrier, and then that breeds this kind of aggressiveness. That's only one of the factors, though. I think the other factor is overall in the culture. We are, you know, that 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 certain. Uh, guardrails, if you will, of civility <laughs> have been going down for years and years and years and years. And uh, that those are cultural issues, and we could spend a lot of time talking about that and where they come from and trying to point the fingers of blame. And uh, I think there's plenty of blame to go around. Um, and, and all of that accelerated by social it, media. It, well, yeah. Yeah, acceleration. Social media basically is the accelerant, the lighter fluid yeah. to that situation. Yeah. That is completely accurate. Social media adds no good to the situation. It, it empowers people because they feel protected by that computer screen to be uh, uh, rude and and unkind and say and do things that they would never do in person and should never do in person, and they really should not do on social media either. Yeah, good point. Hey, i got to get a weather break in. We're talking with Terry uh, from the school board and Steve from the uh, school district. We'll uh, be back shortly after this quick. We're interactive at the Andy Griffin Show. Call in now at 673-5890. Text in at 435-467-5842. Email at agriffin at cherrycreekmedia.com. Let your voice be heard on the Andy Griffin Show. This is America for crying out loud. Traditional, conservative, capitalistic. Let's band together and melt the snowflakes on The Andy Griffin Show. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Radio 890, 94.9, KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Welcome back, 9.38 on The Andy Griffin Show. I've got uh, Terry Hutchinson and Steve Denham with me. And uh, guys, thanks for coming on today. It's a pleasure to have you. Oh, thanks for having us, Andy. Um, I would, was just going to say before the break, I loved having that many people there. Yeah. I, I was excited to see people uh, interested in what we do. I, I think the more the citizens pay attention to what we do, the better. And I, I don't, you know, if, if they get a little vociferous or loud or whatever, <laughs> that's fine too, you know. I, I think that uh, most of the comments were trying to be informative. Uh, they were, you know, in fact... In fact, I, I thought uh, Kelly Blake, our president, did something um, that I, I haven't seen him do before, and that was he expanded the public comment time. We, we stayed later. We were there till about 7 o'clock. Um, he gave them an hour as, as opposed to something else. And I, I guess, I, you know, and I've not seen the video, but one of the other school districts up north only let one parent speak about their mask thing, and then the parents got mad and they yelled, and eventually the police were called and the meeting ended. And yeah. and I, once again, it, it was granted. As, by the yeah, way. But well, I I hadn't even heard about it until after we had done what we did. Um, I get in a little tunnel sometimes that where <laughs> I don't pay attention to local news as much. But I, uh, I, I it goes back to the point I was making before, and that is. As elected officials, we have a responsibility to give the citizens a chance to have their say in some respects. And 
even at a board meeting at a school board meeting, if you if you've got fifty people there, I, I thought we balanced that really well. We 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 had several topics of comments, and there's a little form that they fill out, and they come in and they fill out the form, and they give us their name, and they each get three minutes, and we time them, and then at the end of the three minutes, okay, they're done, and 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 we try and be polite about it, but firm, and so that as many people can have their say as they want, and. You know, then, then Kelly grouped it into four Gary, products. Yeah. The audience did a great job last night. They were very respectful of the time constraint. Yeah. And at each one, when we said, okay, your time is up, they, they ended. And, and so yeah. often in public meetings now, that doesn't happen. They really did a good job. And so in that respect, they were super good about recognizing, okay, there is a, 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 a rules that are in place and they followed those. And I, and I agree with Terry on that. But, but I do think Andy, that if we had not expanded that time, understanding a need that this is a unique situation where more people need to be able to just feel like their voice is heard and considered and the information that they have, that's so important and been building up inside. I mean, that's one of the things about talk radio, uh, that I miss doing as much of as I used to, you know, before I got on the board, I, I was a substitute host here mm-hmm. is that, that, that gives you a chance to bent and to just kind of let off a little steam that way. And, and if it's not building up inside of you, that's a healthy thing. I think that's one of the things about the first amendment. That's so good. You have a freedom of speech. You have a freedom of expression. You can go out there and march around with a don't tread on me flag if you want. And I'm going to salute you. I, that, that, that's just fine, you know, but, but, uh, if you see the example of where that gets restricted and it looks like the powers just don't allow any kind of dissent, they don't allow anything like that. You get a more pent up demand and you wind up with things that happened up there. So I, I mean, I'm sure that the, the parents that were yelling it down and ended the meeting like that have some, have some, you know, something too. But I think as public officials, we also have a duty and a responsibility to the citizens to try and make sure that we're recognizing that. And I think we did a really good job of that last night. And, and, and those are symptoms too. When, when people yeah. are, are talking and complaining about something, I hope, and I think you probably do realize as a board, okay, if I've got three parents on and they're all talking about the same thing and they're all upset about it, there's probably another 300 or more that are upset about the same thing. You, I think each of us as board members has our own view about that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, that, that is one way to look at it though. Steve, any thoughts on that? <laughs> no, because <laughs> you know, if, I mean, you're, you're right. When we get emails here at the district, we try to reply to everybody. Um, I, occasionally there's somebody that, that wants to go into a long discourse and, and we just don't have time to put into a big, long discourse, but we try to give a response to everybody that, that shares their views that shares. And and we try to explain why we're doing what we're doing when we're doing it. And, and I view that also in the same way. So when we get those emails and they send them to all of us as board members, uh, you know, sometimes we'll let Steve and the administration respond if it's a particular issue, but generally I try and give an individual response at, at least on the issues that I feel I can comment on. Although, and I have always said this for a long time, I'm one of seven. The board has to act collectively. Now, that doesn't mean unanimously, but it does mean there's got to be four of us to be able to take a public action on something. Has that been an issue lately? Has the board been split the, on a lot the, of the, the, I would just say that the, the, the pandemic situation here has uh, 
we haven't had the same, uh, you know, we haven't had the same ratios in our votes as we normally do. Okay. So, so there's some four to threes and five to twos instead of six to ones and sevens. Yeah. And things. Yeah. I, I'd say that'd be a fair say, but we haven't, we've been unanimous about the important things and the things that we have done have been very successful. And that's often the way it is. I mean, you know, each of us as a board member comes in with our own identity, our own thing, and, and I'll often stake a position out here or somebody will stake a position out there and then we'll go back and forth on it. And eventually you come to a consensus. And, and that's what we have to do here. And, uh, you know, that's what we'll need to do going forward. And, and I think that the masks, and I've said this before, are a symptom of something bigger. And that is what's going to happen to our ability as local school board members to be able to uh, effectively deal with these kind of problems going forward. Uh, I mean, you can kind of see initially with the, with the pandemic where the governors as executives would have some kind of a, you know, concern to keep it from spreading from one County to another. But after a period of time, the question becomes, did that last too long? And I think, we need to really take a serious action about that and, and after action report, so to speak, like we used to do in the military after something and really evaluate, okay, here's where we did well. Here's where we really dropped the ball. And, and, you know, and then we as school board members need to say, okay, well, the governor says next year, we're not going to have masks. We're not going to have tests to play. We're not going to require vaccines. Okay. What is the next thing to come along where our local control might be affected those are the kinds of things I think, and we're political entities. The county commissioners are political entities. The mayors and city councils are political entities. We're political entities. I, I think at some point you have to act to protect your entity, so to speak. Right. Well, I, I mean, one of, one of my biggest criticisms about Harry Reid in the United States Senate, particularly when President Obama was there, is that Harry Reid didn't stand up for the prerogatives of the Senate itself the way that I thought it should have. And therefore, I felt President Obama was improperly interfering with the Senate. I mean, he, 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 he tried to dictate when, and when, when they could and couldn't be in session. And he lost at the Supreme Court nine to nothing. But the fact that that was brought by somebody other than the Senate Majority Leader, Harry Reid, was something that always bothered me. Yeah. I, I feel like Obama I don't care if they're on your side yeah. or not. You have a duty also to your entity. So as a school board member, I have a duty to the school board powers itself, so to speak. And, and I, I, I participated in a training for local school board members a couple of weeks ago for new ones that have been newly elected in, you know, in, in 2020. And uh, that was something that one of the instructors brought out that, that I was able to participate in and emphasize a little bit is that, you know, you, you get on the school board and you think, okay, we're going to deal with budgets, we're going to deal with staffing, we're going to deal with curriculum and all kinds of things. And you don't realize sometimes you get some of these other things. And, and this pandemic has really caused the politics between the branches of government, between the levels of government to come to the forefront. I represent 14,000 registered voters in my district. I need to protect their rights to vote rather than just roll over and say, okay, whatever somebody else says, 
what am I, just a figurehead? But no. But that's going to keep happening, isn't it? Or potentially keep happening where the, the government is going to tell the school district what to do or going, going to try to do that. Isn't that going to keep Well, happening? once again, that's why you have to start engaging at a different level. Okay. The, the question for me about the pandemic was, when did it become an issue of politics rather than an issue of science? Mm-hmm. And in the schools in particular, I think the science, when we, all the dust settles and all the science comes out, we're going to see that, that schools in particular all across the country should have been handled quite differently. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Agreed. That science went out the window. I think it's common sense almost went out the window when it when it comes to some of those types yeah. of things. But uh, I mean, you bring up a really uh, interesting, I think, uh, future conflict that that we're going to see. We have a governor right now who who refuses to sign a bill uh, uh, limiting transgender athletes, particularly males who are transitioning from competing in women's sports. I could see that coming right now. You know, I know that goes through the UHSA and things like that, but I could see that becoming a problem and a conflict between you know. Well, you know, if if you're going to have that and you're going to recognize it as a as a legitimate thing, and that's a different situation. I I think what you do as the governor is you go to the legislature and say, okay then let's have another category, okay? You'll have men's, you'll have women's, you'll have trans, and maybe you'll have two trans. Maybe you'll have biological men becoming women and biological women becoming men. Then it's fair competition, so to speak. That would be a a solution if you're going to do that. And, of course, what's the bottom line on that? Money. Money. Okay. Money. All right. Yeah. Hey, listen, i got to get a break in real quick. You bet. We've got, I, I uh, see people, the phone lines are lighting up, people too. People on hold. I've got a couple <laughs> of texts. I've got an email, and I'm not juggling it all very well. So, uh, Steve, Terry, hang on a little bit uh, for just for a minute here as I get, again, the sponsors. Thank Joe Shoney is a sponsor of the show, has been for a couple of years now, uh, maybe much longer. He's with New American Funding, and his specialty is customer service. So he's a loan consultant. You say, hey, I want to go get a home loan or, or whatever loan you might need. Uh, but then uh, Joe will say, well, you understand, I'm not just going to tell you, hey, sign this and I'll call you in a month. No, he's going to uh, really keep you uh, really up to date on what's going on with your loan all the way through. That's why people love him. 4.96 out of five stars for over 530 reviews now online. It's Joe Shoney. Call him today at 435-590-6300. Yes, I do realize there's quite a bit of irony in the commercial, the uh, public service announcement that just played, uh, given what we were talking about today. But anyway, uh, this is the Andy Griffin Show. Terry Hutchinson is with me. Uh, hi, Terry. And hey. Steve here as well. Steve Dunner from the school district. Uh, guys, thanks again for being on today. We've got callers lined up. We've got texts and emails. And so let's go right to the phone line. You okay with that? You bet. All right. Uh, yeah, hey, you're on with Andy, with Terry and Steve. What's on your mind? Hi, is that me? Yep, that's you. Two things. Number one, thank you for taking a stand on this. We were have been so proud to be grandparents in a school district with kids going to school who bucked the trend early and went back to school first, and we're so proud of that, and we commend you for that. The second thing is the left makes everything political, so... If we, it, it would be automatic to assume that the pandemic would become part of the political fight that they've brought on. I think we don't know what we're up against here. We're busy Americans. We're working. We love our country. I'm unaware that the left is on this progressive um, uh, stance to overtake everything. If we don't know what we're up against, we can't fight it. 
And I'm glad you fight it. And we need to know that this is what we're dealing with. And they will politicize literally every issue. Yeah, well said, Terry. Uh, Yeah, thank you. I I agree with that. A lot of our institutions have been politicized. I mean, just last week we saw um, emails between the National Teachers Union and the CDC about the reopening of the schools. And the CDC guidelines were changed. We saw that happen here in Utah. Uh, right after we opened earlier in the year. Um, and that, to me, is when the science becomes more political. But you're, you're right, but it's, it's not just the left that politicizes. I mean, anybody who's trying to take an opportunity politically, whether on the left or the right, is going to take advantage of certain things, and uh, that's just going to happen. But, but right now, uh, there are clearly agendas out there that are politically driven that we need to be careful of. Okay, so thanks te- for your comment. Got a text a couple of minutes ago. Uh, very simple solution to all these issues. Parents, put your kids in private or charter schools of your choice or homeschool. Y- your guys' thoughts on that? And, and, Steve, maybe I'll go to you first. Uh, it, it feels like, you know, a private school is a rival and would be taking money away from public schools. Is, is that true? Or, or what's your, what are your thoughts on, on private or charter schools? Well, from that perspective, private school is, but the the flip side is, is that's what our government has provided. We have provided a free public education for children. It's also encouraged school choice for families through charters, through privates, through homeschooling. And and from our side with this pandemic, we've also offered remote learning. So there's a plethora of choices out there for parents that will best fit their needs. And, and, while it may be a competition, you don't want to have somebody in your building. You don't want to have a student in your school that isn't performing to their best because it isn't the right fit for them. Hmm. Obviously, you get children that will go to charter schools and they'll suddenly excel because it has a better fit for them. Or likewise, we'll get students from charter schools and they'll suddenly excel because the environment has is become better. I, I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm saying that as parents, you need to consider what is best for your family and what makes the most sense. But the, the government has provided those means because they recognize that it, it's not a one-stop fit-all. I mean, the, you know, when you look at the history of schools overall in our country, a lot of times they used to be private. But then eventually communities got together and they'd hire a teacher. I mean, I, I do a lot of research on LDS history. That's how Oliver Cowdery kind of kind of got paid early on. Um, you know, so it grew into something else. Now, the last few generations, I think that, um, you know, at a lot of different levels, there, there's been a, a political agenda allowed to get in there from one side, and the other side's kind of been asleep at the switch. Um, and, you know, obviously there's something. I, I was heard Rush Limbaugh yesterday talking about that, where you – you know, if you have generations where you educate the, the students in a certain way, eventually you, you're going to get a lot more of that. So it's it's uh, it's it's a dynamic. I, the legislature is the one who determines where the tax dollars go and how much they are given to parents who homeschool or private school or charter school for parental options. Um, but I support a parent's right to do whatever they feel is best for their kids. And I'd like to see more tax dollars go to support that. Um, and if it comes out of my budget for the public schools, well, I'm not taking care of that particular student, so I don't have a problem with it. Uh, I'll just okay. rebudget accordingly. Okay. Let's, uh, you've been on hold a long time. Thanks for holding. What's on your mind? Is that me? Yep. Yep. Go ahead. 
Yeah, the, been on hold for 29 minutes. And it sounds like you guys let the uh, the uh, folks uh, at the meeting, they, they get three minutes you guys mentioned? Well, that, yeah. Well, it looks like I've already overused my three minutes while being on hold. So I'll just finish off by saying uh, that this phone call is from Brocky in part by Cherry Creek Radio. Uh, and that, uh, well, uh, let's get to our uh, let's get to our commercial break, and uh, then the Rush Limbaugh show. Thanks for listening. Yeah, I'm not sure what what Axie was trying to grind there. Maybe we played too many commercials. I don't know. All right, let's go to line three. Hey, thanks for calling. What's on your mind? I'd just like to make a comment about this missing in school. As an engineer, uh, had I missed uh, like sophomore year in high school physics and chemistry and so forth, uh, I'd have never made it. And that's what's happened to some of these people, some of these kids. They're not going to get it through. Absolutely. That, that's been incredibly harmful. One of our districts up north, the Salt Lake City School District, has been out on remote clear up until March. And I think they only barely started one or two days a week. It's been terrible for those students. And unfortunately, though, that's what their school board elected to do. And that's the people they elected, those those parents, and some of them are pretty frustrated. I, I yeah. would like to see, I mean, my my niece moved out here from Virginia because they are still not in school. And I would like to see parents all across the country get rid of any school board member that's kept students out to that degree. I, I It's been incredibly harmful. We're going to lose a whole generation, and it's just, exactly. you can't say enough bad things about that kind of practice, but... It is the principle of local control, and that's what their local people elected. And, and I hate to say that. Thanks for having us on, Andy, today. It's been great, as usual. Steve, thanks for uh, being on today as well. Appreciate you, man. Sure, no worries. Thanks, Andy. We have used it up down to the last 15 seconds. Again, thanks uh, for all of you who have called. If we didn't get to your call, we apologize. We tried. Uh, just a lot to talk about today. Uh, tune in tomorrow. Mayor Thursday, Michelle Randall will be on the air with me right here on KDXU.